So I was uh, praying and worshipping this morning, and uh, I was asking the Holy Spirit, uh, was there anything in particular he wanted to do or deal with or whatever? And this um, phrase came to me, um, which was that every new move of God needs a fresh wind and yielded hearts. And I said to him, okay, well, what do you, what do you want me to do with that? Like, why, why are you bringing that up? And he said, because I want to start talking to you about the obstacles in our hearts that's stopping that move right now. And so I, I, I believe he wants me to pray about one of those obstacles. And the obstacle's this. And this, this is what I received from the Holy Spirit, so don't get offended if, if you feel like that's me. But he's, he said to me, the biggest obstacle is not faithfulness or lack of faithfulness. The biggest obstacle to a move of God right now is the belief and attitude that I've been there, done that. And for many of us, that's true. And I realize that's true for me. You know, we've seen so much over the years. Some of us are, are old enough to remember previous moves of God. Not in this land. Although one or two of us will remember a previous move of God because you were around, if you were a believer then, when the Shetlands, uh, sorry, not the Shetlands, the Hebrides had the revival in the 50s. However, for many of us, there is that, been there, done that. It's like, how, how do I come in each week expecting God to move when I've been coming each week for years? And so th there's that obstacle we need to get over. And, and the, the way we get over that obstacle is to say, Holy Spirit, if that's me, I'm asking you to tell me. And I'm asking you to deal with it. And to replace that, been there, done that, with a hunger and desire to catch the fresh wind. Because as Jesus is coming back, the bride will rise. And the bride is the fresh wind. You, you've got to understand that. Because it's a clean and spotless bride, not like what's gone before. The kind of slightly soiled grubby, but okay sort of bride. This is a clean and spotless bride and it's a fresh wind. So let's just close our eyes. I'm just trying to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit showed me. Holy Spirit, I'm believing that you drew that to my attention this morning. And right now, for those whose hearts you are moving on, 
I break the hold of that spirit of been there, done that. I break its hold. And we surrender it right now to you, Jesus. We surrender that attitude, that mindset, that stronghold to you right now, Jesus. And we ask you to bring healing where that was. New life where that was. New fire where that was. Fresh expectancy. And a fresh wind to blow through. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let's just give him, just give him thanks. Just thank him yourself. Um, you know, as a principle in the kingdom, you, you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. So if you believe that in your heart, just confess it with your mouth now and thank him that he is doing what you have asked. Thank you, Jesus. Praise you. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are working right now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you. Thank you. Kind of to help us move on from there. Um, I'm just going to talk about an obstacle that I think many of us have. And that obstacle is the way we see the Holy Spirit. Um, you know that the, the, the big message that uh, God has wanted us to bring through in the church is that it all it is really all about Jesus. He's the central point. He's the message. Yeah. He's the um, he's the goal. He's the precious one. He's the one we worship. He's the one we adore. And that's why I talked a few weeks ago about how the Holy Spirit relates to Jesus and how the two of them inter interact. And um, I just want to pick up at, at John chapter 14, verse 26. And um, I finished here last week, actually. No, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'll read it from the, the Amplified Version. But the Comforter, that is the Counselor, the Helper, the Intercessor, the Advocate the strengthener and the standby, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. That is, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. So the Holy Spirit is acting on behalf of Jesus. And he's sent in his name, which means the Holy Spirit is in total accord at all times with the Father, and with the Son. There's no, there's no tension, there's no disagreement between them. They're all in one accord. 
but they're individual parts of the Godhead. So they have their own personalities and own um, ways that they act. And so the Holy Spirit is sent in Jesus' place because the Holy Spirit's on earth right now, whereas Jesus is in heaven. And he's sent to act and represent Jesus, act and on and represent Jesus. In other words, he's got a mission, he's got a job to do. And in doing that, his job description is represent Jesus and act on his behalf. But he carries that out through his own personality. And so he will teach you all things and he will cause you to recall, that is, he'll remind you of, bring to your remembrance everything I have told you. My peace I leave with you, my own peace now I give you and bequeath you. Not as the world gives do I give to you, so don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. That's so important right now this is part of the holy spirit's mission that when we know the holy spirit our hearts will stop being troubled why because we know god's got it stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed stop allowing yourself to do that do not permit yourself this is things that we do do strengthened by the Holy Spirit who, who, who lives in us, do not permit yourself to be fearful, intimidated, cowardly, or unsettled. They're, they're natural things in the face of all the stuff we face in the world. It just has this way of grinding us down and sucking our energy out, doesn't it? And, and eventually you find yourself behaving in ways you didn't expect. And, and so he's saying don't allow that to be where you stay don't allow that to be the way you live because the holy spirit who comes to represent jesus and act on his behalf is right here to bring you what you need to deal with whatever is coming and whatever is already here so the big question is How does that become a reality in your life? Because what we have been very good at is teaching and understanding the word. However, knowing the word and believing the word to be true is not the same as seeing the reality of the word manifest in your life. And you see, even the de de Paul tells us that even the devil, sorry, no he doesn't, James tells us that even the devil believes the Bible to be true and everything in there to be true. So just believing something to be true doesn't make it re the reality of it manifest in your life. And so when somebody's ill, trotting out six verses about healing isn't going to make any difference. There's more at play than this. And, and, and the thing that's at play is the spirit and the word together. And that's why, you know, Smith Wigglesworth, I believe, said that the final move of God 
that this planet will see is a move of the spirit and word together. So we need to understand and be able to relate to the things of the spirit as well as the church over the years has managed to relate to the things of the word. Is, is that making sense? But for that to happen, we need to know some more about the Holy Spirit. And, and I want, this is what I want to touch on, this obstacle or barrier. I think it's actually a tragic mistake that Christians make. And it's something, I think if, if we, we've been around things of the Holy Spirit for any length of time, we'll all admit we've done it. And we'll all admit we've seen it. And yet it's there and we need to deal with it. And, and so this is a tragic mistake that we make. That we attempt to study and understand the work of the Holy Spirit without first coming to know the Holy Spirit. It's like we, we, we short-circuit the thing. We want to see him move. We want to see his power, but we don't know him. And so we find ourselves doing things because we've got this tragic mistake that, that involve looking at ways to get his power to work. And we hold conferences about it and we talk about it and we teach about it. And if you're like a, a faith person, you'll say, well, you know, you just haven't repeated and confessed the verses enough. And if you're a spirit person, you just like you haven't soaked enough or you haven't, be, you haven't been laid hands upon enough by the anointed man of God and all these sort of things. And, and we want the things that speak to work. So we, 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 we talk about like how, how the worship should work and how gifts should work and all this sort of stuff. And we end up just actually trying all sorts of things, but none of it works. Because we've made this tragic mistake that we, we want to study and understand the works of the Spirit rather than know the Spirit. And I, I guarantee you, most charismatics will be able to tell you an awful lot more about what the Bible says about the gifts of the Spirit than they will be able to tell you about the actual personality and person of the Holy Spirit. And, and it, I think that's a kind of a legacy of, of a, the, the previous generation that many of us grew up to. When we discovered the gifts of the Spirit, got very excited about them, and, and they came more into the, 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 the general church. And that's a good thing. But I think we need to go on. So that we... We're no longer just looking for the Holy Spirit to do something and trying to figure out how to get him to do something, but we actually know him, and in knowing him, we know what he wants to do. There's two, it's very different from trying to understand how to get the Holy Spirit to do something to actually knowing what he wants to do and participating in it and sharing in it. They're very different things. And so we, we come out with strange sort of things. Like we, we become, some of us have become glory chasers. 
Like, we want to be wherever it looks like God's moving, and we'll get on an aeroplane to go there, and, and we just want to go, and we want to get down to the front so somebody can lay hands on it, and we can catch it like COVID. It's great to be touched by God in a moment, but that moment won't last if we don't know the Holy Spirit who touched us. And so, you know, we, Cheryl and I knew somebody a, a number of years ago, and they said, well, you know, I'm only in faith life as long as the Holy Spirit's moving because I just want to be where the glory is. And if he starts moving somewhere more than he is here, I'm off. And so... That's what happens when we try to study and understand the workings of the Holy Spirit as opposed to knowing the Holy Spirit. And then there's, there's the other phrase, which I like, but is actually not very helpful, is I just want to be in the river. <laughs> actually, I'm, I might explore this one day, but actually that's technically wrong. Because out of your belly flow rivers, rivers of living water. You, 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 that's the anointing that is within you to change you. That is not the same as the anointing that rests on a believer to affect the world around him. So just being in the river makes it actually all about you. And so we use these phrases. Can you, can you understand what I'm saying? I'm saying it's actually with, with good hearts and a real desire to see God move, we focused on what the Holy Spirit does and tried to get him to do it without actually knowing the, the Holy Spirit. Israel, actually, in the Old Covenant, had the same problem. Because God turned around to them and, and said to them, they knew my works, but they didn't understand my ways. And because of that, they've rebelled. They knew my works, but they didn't understand my ways. In other words, they'd seen the miracles, and they tried to get the miracles to work for them by keeping the law, but they never knew God. In fact, when he turned up on Mount Sinai, they ran away and said, off you go, Moses, you go up there, we're not going. He's scary. The presence of God, so you're going to have to just go with me. If you don't understand some things I'm saying, it's because sometimes I have to talk about things that are a bit deeper. So just, just take it on whatever level we can get it at. But the presence of God actually affects you physically. And it affects people physically in different ways. And the worst thing you can do is try and copy or want somebody, something where somebody else is actually being touched by the Holy Spirit. Because you actually want to be touched by the Holy Spirit. So you, we do, once we get to understand how the Holy Spirit works, we, we recognise when he's there and we feel it. We feel him. But again, feeling him is not the same as knowing him. And for many of us, the feeling of him has become the goal of charismatic meetings and Holy Spirit meetings. Whereas the real goal is knowing the one whom we feel. 
It's a bit like me putting my arm around Cheryl and saying, do you feel that? Yeah. So she says yes. Well, yes, she does, doesn't she? But does that prove to you I love you or has I just touched you? I just touched you. So we need to know who, the one who is here on earth with us. You know, I've been in places where people have gone, oh, can you sense it? Can you feel it in the room? There's, there's a healing anointing that has just entered the room. So let's just play for healing. And, and we've all done this if you've been around these meetings. We've all got excited about that. There is no healing anointing. There is no feeling it. There's no sensing it because it is not it it's a him the holy spirit's a person and and that's why we, we we have this obstacle because we've wanted the holy spirit to move but we don't know the person of the holy spirit to understand how he moves so it's important that we establish and settle in our hearts that the Holy Spirit is a divine person. He's the one out of the Godhead who is here on earth with us right now. And we need to learn how he acts and how we can relate to him. So this person isn't just holy, he's not just powerful, he's not just creative. But he's also, according to those verses I read, he's tender, he's loving, he's kind, he's compassionate, he's caring, and he's worthy to receive our attention. Now, I didn't know any of this. I, you know, th this is years ago, but I didn't understand any of this. And I have to say that in my like, recent journey of the last few years, I realised that I'd kind of shelved it for a long time. But I remember when we, we were living in Preston and for me, the Holy Spirit was in it or it was something I didn't really understand. And so I saw bits of the Holy Spirit moving, but I didn't really have any understanding of what I was supposed to do about that. And then I, I read this book. If you've never read it, what I'll ask you to do is get over your issues with the person and read the book. Good Morning, Holy Spirit. One of the, the, the greatest books ever inspired by the Holy Spirit. Because it talks about how the Holy Spirit is a person and how you can relate to him. And so we read, I read this book and then I got Cheryl to read this book and it, it transformed our understanding. And, and I think... Sadly, you, you get sidetracked. For us, we got sidetracked because we, we were around people who, were, who are great men and women of God who were in the can you sense it camp, can you feel it camp, or I just want to go after the glory camp. And, and we didn't understand and follow through that need to relate to the Holy Spirit. We just got ourselves to the meetings with the idea that if somebody plapped us on the head, we'd come back and we'd be a, a different person. And we were for a few days. But it doesn't last because 
we don't know we didn't know and didn't follow through on relating to the holy spirit so the holy spirit isn't simply an influence that emanates from god and it's not he is not a divine mystical power although he does have divine power but if we understand the holy spirit as holy majestic wise powerful compassionate loving somebody who agrees totally with the father and totally with the son and he's come to earth to be with us then that should put us on our faces and keep us there in humility knowing that it's actually about him if anything is going to happen in our midst Now, understand this. I'm not, in fact, I think we could do some things an awful lot better than we do. However, in the absence of the Holy Spirit, there will be no lasting fruit or so little lasting fruit that it's not enough to affect the world around us. So, we can have great meetings in the body of christ and yet as a as a nation the percentage of christian believers who are born again is declining rapidly you know we shouldn't be i don't think it's an exciting place to be in with less than two percent of the population going to church i think that's a sign that our generation and the previous generation has failed and, and if you go, well, I know a load of people and they go to church and, and, and I'm not even sure they're saved, then it's less than 2%, isn't it? And, and so w the only way we change that is not by better management or slicker organisation. Although we could do with a bit more organisation. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, I find myself on a Sunday morning, because I get really early on a Sunday morning, go and worship and pray and, and kind of prepare. And it's just, been, it's just been a real blessing. For the, the first time in 15 plus years, I haven't been the one that's had to come and open up since, since the start of June. And that's just been an immense blessing. To be able to spend time in worship on, on a sustained basis on a Sunday morning. And it... And I so often find myself saying, forgive like the way I phrase this, but Holy Spirit, honestly, I have nothing in me. And if you don't turn up this morning, we're stuffed. If you don't turn up in our meeting this morning, what's the point? Because he's the only one that can convict people to bring them to himself, to bring them to Christ. He's the only one who can heal. He's the only one who sets free. He's the only one that delivers. He's the only one that changes lives. So we've got to understand that. Um, it, it, I came across this quote from John Bevere, and, and I love it. And this is what John Bevere said. He said, "People who approach him." as a power or influence or presence will constantly say they want more and pray for more. Now listen carefully to this. 
because this shows us where our barrier has been that we've been unaware of. So people who approach him as a power or influencer presence will constantly say they want more or pray for more. But those who know him as a person will say, how much more of myself can I give to him? People who know him as a person will say, how much more of myself can I give to him? And that's kind of a, a real mindset change, isn't it? Because the, the person that's described in, in that passage, he desires to be our closest friend, deepest confidant. He wants to be our counsellor. He wants to be our comforter. He wants to be there for us. He's, he's the wisest teacher. He, he knows what he's doing and he knows how to talk about the words of Jesus and the words that, that we find in Scripture. He's the best counsellor. He's, he's the closest comforter and he's the biggest encourager. You know, I, I think often we get discouraged in our Christian walk because we haven't been around the encourager enough. And so we try and stir ourselves up when being around the encourager, he would stir us up. You see, fires get lit in our hearts by him. He, he's the one who brings the fire. And so we miss out on the more because we didn't understand that the more is how much more of us we can give to him. And James tells us that as we draw nearer to him, he draws nearer to us. So there's a, there's a growing relationship that if we can keep moving towards him, he'll keep coming towards us. So it gets deeper and deeper and stronger and stronger. So when I say the Holy Spirit is a person, just to be clear, I'm not saying he's human. Okay, I'm not saying he's human. What I'm saying is that the Holy Spirit has attributes which define personality. And so we need to start to relate to the Holy Spirit as a person. Let me just read you a something that was said in, in Acts, from Acts 10.38. Familiar verse. Um, it says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit, with strength and ability and power, how he went about doing good and curing all who were harassed and oppressed by the power of the devil, for God was with him. So we've got in there the, the whole of the Trinity. We've got the Father anointing Jesus with the Holy Spirit. So the whole, when Jesus was on earth, he was anointed. He was full of the Holy Spirit, but he was also anointed with the Holy Spirit to do the works that the Father gave him to do. So although the Holy Spirit brings power, he's not just power. He's a person. And when we are moved by the Holy Spirit we will do the will of God. When we move by the Holy Spirit, we will do the will of God. And so when we move by the Holy Spirit, we should expect, just as it was with Jesus, that that would be visible and affect people around us. 
It's not, it's not just for our satisfaction or our spiritual high. The Holy Spirit came to bring about what Jesus died to give and for us to see his reality in our lives and to affect the world around us. The, the, the fresh wind of the Spirit, the move of the Spirit cannot be just kept to give us a high or a nice feeling. It will produce feelings because the touch of the Holy Spirit on your life, you'll feel and you'll sense. But it can't just be that. That's not the goal. Because the goal isn't the feel, the goal is the person. And hearing the voice of the person and doing what he asks us to do so that he can empower what we do and affect the world around us so that he can bring about what Jesus intended to bring about. And you're thinking, well, you might be thinking, well, I'm, I, I don't get that whole, how can he be a person? Because he's the Holy Spirit and I can't see him and he's got no body and where is he? And he's part God and how do I ever understand him and all that sort of stuff? Well, again, I'm not saying he's a human. So we won't encounter him like a human. But we can understand how he's a person. Let me, let me just kind of wrap it up by proving to you that actually the, 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 the aim of the bride is to be prepared for the return of Christ by the person of the Holy Spirit. And the, the person and personality of the Holy Spirit we need to understand so that he can affect us and change us and transform our thinking, renew our thinking and, and teach us the word. Are you still with me? So let me just show you that he is a person. The Holy Spirit has a mind. That's always a good sign, isn't it? By the way, how many of you know you're a three-part being? Your body, soul and spirit. And how many of you know that your soul is mind, will, and emotions? Okay? So the Holy Spirit has a mind. Romans 8.27 says this. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You've got that oneness in the God and you've got the mind. He's got his own mind. He does what the Father and the Son and he has agreed, but he's got his own mind and his own personality by which he does it. And, he, and he's got a will. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. So the Holy Spirit is the one who is in charge of the way that the giftings and the anointings and so on are brought together in the body to bring about his purposes. So he decides that. And then you've got emotions. He's got love, he's got joy, he's got grief, he's got all the emotions. Romans 15, 30. Now I beg you, brethren, through the Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in prayers to God for me. So it's, he's got love. 
And then Galatians 5.22, well, if these are fruits of the Spirit, he's got them. So he's got love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. He's got that, that whole part of his personality. And then what else does he do? He speaks. That's a really important one. We need to hear him speak. Hebrews 3.7 says, therefore, the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice. Today, we need to hear his voice. Today, more than ever, probably in our generation, we need to hear his voice. What else does he do? He comforts. 2 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 1 talks about how the Holy Spirit comforts us and then we can comfort those who need comfort with the comfort we've received ourselves. What else does he do? He teaches. We saw that in that verse in John 14, uh, 26. We can also see it in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but the Holy Spirit taught us, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. So he's a teacher. What else? He has sorrow and he can be grieved. That's something we really need to get hold on. Because we, we sometimes have crazy ideas about how the Holy Spirit gets grieved or how he gets quenched or whatever. Um, somebody once told me that the Holy Spirit was grieved with our church because I put the chairs the other way around. <laughs> I put them sideways on instead of facing the front when we were in the old purse. So I grieved the Holy Spirit and he'd left the building. That's not what grieves the Holy Spirit. He's not bothered about chair setup. I bother about chair setup. I'm a bit like OCD about chair setup. But he's not. And it's really clear what grieves him. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 30 says this. It says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Well, okay, let's not grieve him. Now, that, that, that word grieve means heart pain. It means that, you know, that gut-wrenching thing when everything in your life has gone wrong. It's that sort of pain. It's that, that word. And it's saying that we can cause the Holy Spirit to experience that sort of pain in his heart. How does that occur? Well, it's got nothing to do with chair layout. Nor is it kind of some of the things you might think. The, the Holy Spirit feels that pain when there is discord, strife, dissension and bitterness in the body. That's what Ephesians tells us. Discord, complaining, moaning, having a go at each other, pulling each other down, falling out with each other, pains and causes the Holy Spirit to grieve deep in his heart. That's why we need to be so careful how we deal with each other and how we approach church, the body that we're part of. Uh, Hebrews 10.29 tells us that the Holy Spirit can be insulted. You can't insult an it. You can insult a person. He can be blasphemed against. Hebrews 10.29 says this, How much worse punishment do you suppose will he, will he be thought worthy 
who's trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace. So the Spirit can be insulted, can be blasphemed again. He can be lied to. If I was called Ananias or Sapphira, I would not have lied. I would have kind of, I'm not lying. You know, if that's my name, I'm not lying. But the Holy Spirit can be lied to. Peter said, you've lied to the Holy Spirit. Um, he's got feelings. Romans 8.26 tells us about his feelings and how the Holy Spirit groans because the earth isn't as he wants it to be. Holy Spirit makes decisions. 1 Corinthians 12.11 One and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he will. He commands. The Holy Spirit tells people what to do with the authority of the Godhead. So he, he, tell, he told Peter, uh, sorry, he told Paul, you're not going there, you're not going there. And Paul tried to go to one of them and it says the Holy Spirit forcibly stopped him. I have no idea how he did that, but he forcibly stopped him and diverted him and he ends up in Macedonia at the end of it. But the Holy Spirit commands. The Holy Spirit has wisdom. It's called the Spirit of Wisdom, Ephesians 1.17. But most importantly, now here's a word for you. Sci-fi buffs, wait, listen to this one. The Holy Spirit is a sentient being. You know, like on Star Trek, where they try and scan planets to see if there's sentient beings on it. What does that mean? A sentient being isn't just something that's alive. It means that it has really, it's, a, it's a being of such complexity or sophistication that it can, it's capable of understanding the big picture. And the Holy Spirit is capable of understanding everything that's going on in our world and going on in your world. And pulling it together and fitting it into the context of everything and then giving you his wisdom and instruction and commands as to what to do. So when we've got all that... Why would we not want to get to know him? What, what, what have we missed out on by focusing on trying to get it to work instead of knowing him first? Because if we know him, he'll do it through us by being an, an, upon us and, and directing us. So let's stand. See, the Holy Spirit is the most loving, kind, generous, gentle, wise, insightful, faithful, joyful, wonderful person on earth. But we need to learn how to know him. Jesus said something really remarkable. And this is why I think we need to be so cautious and gentle and humble as we seek more of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus said, it's okay to blaspheme against me. It's okay to blaspheme against God. But if you do it to the Holy Spirit, you can't be forgiven. Jesus cared 
that the Holy Spirit has such a gentle heart and such a heart that could so easily be hurt. And so we need to be careful around each other, careful to love well, careful to care well, careful not to hold on to subsets, careful not to hold on to offence, careful not to get into offence, and really careful not to get into strife. Because there is a fresh wind coming and the bride will rise. And when the fresh wind comes, so many will look for the works, but the bride will be the one who knows him. Jesus said, you did all these things, but you didn't know me. You've got the virgins, five of them. Didn't keep their oil, they didn't know him when he came back. It's so important we, we, we crack this. So let's pray. Father, I just ask you right now to move on our hearts by your Spirit, to show us the beautiful person of the Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, I ask you directly to teach us about yourself, to teach us your ways so that you will be free in our lives to do that for which Jesus has sent you, to do that which you uh, are here to do, to bring about his kingdom and to prepare his bride. So we thank you for that, Jesus. We praise you for that. Oh, glory to you. Amen.